We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Apostolic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. 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 Unless you're a history buff, you probably aren't familiar with the name Nikolai Ivanovich Bukharin. He was a, he was a prominent man in Russia back a hundred years ago. He was, a, he was an integral part of the Bolshevik Revolution in 1917. He was the editor of the Soviet newspaper Pravda. He was a member of the Politburo. That would be the central ruling council. His works, his writings, and economics and political science are still read today. It was about 1930 when he made a trip from Moscow to Kiev to give a speech to a huge rally there, and his subject was atheism. And he brought, he brought out his best stuff. He brought out the arguments and the, and the criticisms and the proofs, so he thought, spoke for an hour. And then he looked out over what he thought were the smoldering ashes of the faith uh, the faith of his audience, and he demanded, are there any questions? Silence filled the room, and then one man got up from the crowd and walked up onto the platform and stood near Bukharin and uh, looked over the audience, panned from left to right, and then he said in the familiar words from, in, from the Russian Orthodox Church, he declared, the Lord is risen, and that huge crowd as one man stood to their feet and their voices thundered when they said, he is risen indeed. This is resurrection day. Several times through this message this morning, when I say the Lord is risen, I want you not timidly, you don't have to rise to your feet and shout it, but let's say it in full voice, the Lord is risen. When you hear these words, the Lord is risen indeed, is your line. The Lord is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. That's good, but you can do better. The Lord is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. That sounds good. The phrase that I have been assigned this Sunday is simply this one. No surprise on this glad Easter day. On the third day, he rose again. I believe it. Do you believe it? Father, as we look to the word this morning, I pray that this old truth, this profound truth, this fundamental truth, this life-changing truth will take a new life in the hearts and minds of believers, those here in-house, those with us online today. May, Father, you do your work in us this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Do you recall the very first time that you that you encountered death up close and personal? I do. 
I was 14 years of age when my schoolmate and my friend, Millard Savage, died very suddenly. Now, we all knew, all of us, his friends and classmates, we knew that he wouldn't live a long life. He had a bad heart. And we all knew he wasn't supposed to, to run and play sports and do other things that all the boys did. But he did it anyway. But what a shock. What a shock on the day that he died right here in the school in this, in this town. How well I remember going over to his house. Now that was back in the day when rather than bring the body to the funeral home for visitation, so they'd bring it to the home. And I remember him being there in the living room of the home and I went in. I, I remember it. So that was the first time that for me, death was up close and personal. I still vividly remember this. He was, he was so still. He was, it was so final. Death was so real. As a boy, I realized, I realized that day that death is a fact. Now, this is Easter Sunday, the most significant day in all of the church year. And this is the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the day we boldly declare, declare that Christ is risen. Well, is it for real? Is it a fact? And, and I suggest to you further this morning that for many it's only natural to question it. And that's been the case since the very beginning. Did you know that even Jesus' disciples had trouble believing that Jesus came out of the grave alive on that first Easter day? We just heard the children read. I hope you made it in time this morning. Wasn't that awesome? Did you hear that? That's all right. It's all right to say. That was wonderful. I thought. But did you notice as they, were, as they were reading when the women who showed up at the tomb on that first Easter day bringing spices and perfumes, they did not go there to witness a, a resurrection. They went, there to, they went there to anoint a corpse. And when Mary Magdalene arrived at the tomb and saw that the tomb was empty, she didn't say, well, wow, I guess Jesus has risen from the dead. No. She made the assumption that someone had stolen the body. When the women who finally witnessed Jesus alive went back and told the disciples, the Gospel of Luke says this, the story sounded like nonsense to them, so they didn't believe it. Isn't that something? Later, later on the same day, Resurrection Day, two of the two witnesses told the disciples that they had encountered Jesus on the Emmaus Road, and Scripture records disciples didn't believe them either. And then there's the greatest doubter of them all. What's his name? That'd be Thomas, right. He wasn't there on the first Resurrection Sunday when Jesus appeared, and when they told him, he said, I don't believe it, and I won't believe it until I can put my hands in the nail holes of his hands and feet. I want to touch where the, where the sword pierced his side. The resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ has always been difficult for people to swallow. And sometimes those people have been people of great faith. And it obviously was a problem for the members of the early church, the church in Corinth. And therefore, Paul writes this letter to those believers 
and to us today. Now, this is quite a long scripture. It's on the screen. You can look it up if you have your book uh, or your phone or whatever today. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But stay with me as I read this to you. Paul writes, Now, let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news. Some translations translate that the gospel. Of the good news, the gospel I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and still do now, for your faith is built. Do you hear those words? Your faith is built on this wonderful message. And it is this good news that saves you if you firmly believe it. Unless, of course, you believe something was never true in the first place. Verse 3, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me, that Christ died for our sins just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day as the scriptures said. You see it? He's stating facts. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12 apostles. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time most of whom are still alive, though some have died by now. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, I saw him too. And then Paul, a little bit, now we're moving down to verse 12, where Paul is addressing people who are having a problem believing it. And he writes and says, but tell me this. Since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ was not raised, then all of our preaching is useless, and your trust in God is useless, and we apostles would all be lying about God. For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave, and that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are still under condemnation for your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ have perished. And if we have hope in Christ only for this life, we are the most miserable people in the world. But then he says it. See it? But the fact, but the fact is, that Christ has been raised from the dead. He has become the first of a great harvest of those who will be raised to life again. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, Adam, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man, Christ. Everyone dies because all of us are related to Adam, the first man, but all who are related to Christ. Are you related to Christ? The other man will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised first. Then when Christ comes back, all his people will be raised. I declare to you today, the Lord is risen. Lord is risen oh, that was weak. Come on. The Lord is risen. Lord is Say it in full voice. Let's take a closer look now for a few minutes. I want you to notice now from Paul's words that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is indeed the one fact on which our faith is built. And, and he makes four points here, and here's the first. He stresses that it's one historical fact. And I take you back to the key verse in all of this passage, verse 15, chapter 15, verse 20. The fact is that Christ has been raised from the dead. Paul is insisting here 
that the fact is that Christ has been raised from the dead. He's not saying the theory is. He's not saying that now rumor has it that Christ was raised from the dead. He's not saying, well, our best hope is that Christ has been raised from the dead. No, he's saying the fact is that Christ has been raised. Online encyclopedia, Wikipedia, defines the word fact as an occurrence in the real world. You see what difference that makes? Paul is saying, now listen, folks, we're not talking Narnia here. We're not talking the land of Oz here. We're not talking Hobbitville. We're not talking Neverland. What I'm speaking to you about, Jesus Christ came out of the grave. It happened. It happened in the real world. And so I'm writing this to you to bear witness to this historical fact. Now, I suppose there are different kinds of facts. You've heard there are scientific facts, and they're repeatable by doing experience. Now, I used to be a junior high school science teacher. This is one of the experiments that we did. I would tell the students, this is a fact, that heavy objects fall through the air when dropped at the same speed as light objects. Of course, someone in the crowd, someone here probably said, well, that isn't true. That's not so. Yes, it is a fact. If, if I could keep you behind this morning, those of you that are in-house, I, I could go up on the roof, I suppose, and prove it and take a 10-kilogram rock and a 5-kilogram rock and, and drop them both at the same time. And when they hit the ground at the same time, you probably would say to me, well, my, my, it's a fact. Scientific facts can be proved by experiment. And then there's mathematical facts. We're familiar with these two and two more. That would make four. It's a fact. But historical facts are different. With a historical fact, you don't do an experiment as a scientific fact, or you don't use logic as with mathematical fact. You have to take the word of a historian. And in this case, the historian is a man named Paul the Apostle when he says the fact is that Christ has been raised from the dead. Now, most historical facts are, are accepted without question. Let me give you a couple of, for instance, this one out of Canadian history. Maybe you remember this from grade school. Explorer Samuel de Champlain died in Quebec City Christmas Day in 1635. It's a fact. Probably nobody would question that here. Don't think so. For those of you Americans on staff and the few of you have American relatives, Abraham Lincoln was assassinated in Ford's Theater in Washington in April the 14th, 1865. It's a fact. No one doubts it. But you know, there's other facts. People think, oh, that's hard to believe, like this one. I'm a fan of the Detroit Red Wings. Oh, my. In late years, they've been known as the Detroit Dead Wings, right? They won the Stanley Cup in 2008. It's, it's hard to believe if you saw them play hockey yesterday. I mean, they're, but, but it is a fact. Now we come to this fact, and why do people question it? Uh, when we say that Christ was raised from the grave on that first Easter day, people out there by the tens of thousands. <laughs> really? Not so fast. That's never happened before, and everybody knows dead men don't walk. Come on, really? But Paul is insisting that it's a fact 
The fact is, he says, that Christ has been raised. He's saying it happened. It's a historical fact. Dr. Harry Rimmer, a century ago, was a believer and also a scientist, and he loved to lecture at secular colleges and universities and present the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and then engage the student body in a Q&A time to let them try to attack what he just said. And uh, a young man identified himself in the crowd as being Jewish. And he said, respectful, but he said, what makes Jesus so different? What did Jesus do that no one else ever did? And Dr. Rimmer said, son, since you are a Jew, you probably know the history of your people. And you know that the early emperors of Rome during that, that day crucified thousands of young Jews. And the Jewish student said, yes. I do know that. They crucified about 30,000 young Jews. And then Rimmer said, I'm going to name one of those 30,000. And after I name one, why don't you name one? I name Jesus Christ. And the young man stammered a moment and said, well, I don't know. I don't know, actually know the name of any other of the Jews that was crucified besides Jesus. And Rimmer said, do you know why out of 30,000 Jews that were crucified, you can only call the name of one? Because Jesus is the only one who died and came out of the grave on the third day. The fact is, Paul says, the fact is that Christ has been raised. Hear me today. The Lord is risen. The Lord is risen. It's one historical fact. But Paul doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, he knows that people would say, well, so he goes on and he makes this point, that it's an irrefutable fact. He knows it's not enough to say it's just a fact. So irrefutable, the word simply means impossible to deny. Now, the usual test, you know this, for a statement of fact is you've got to be able to prove it. Can it be proven? So Paul goes about proving that Christ came from the dead. I read it to you, but I'll just hit some of the highlights here. He says, Christ died for our sins. We're down back in verse 3. Just as the scripture said, and he was buried. He offers no proof for that. Why? Because he doesn't need to. Everybody dies. Everybody knows everybody dies. You don't have to prove someone died, Right? Not usually anyway. But then he says this. He was raised from the dead on the third day. And he goes to great lengths to prove that that actually happened. He, gives, he lists six eyewitnesses to this fact. He's seen by Peter. Then by the 12 apostles. Then by more than 500 of Jesus' followers at one time. And then he says this. Most of whom are still alive. What's he saying? Check it out. He's still writing in the time when these people are still alive. You know them. They live around you. Check it out. Many of these people saw him. And then he goes on to say he was seen by James and later by all the apostles again. And then Paul ends his argument by saying, and I saw him too. The resurrected Jesus is recorded as appearing in Judea and in Galilee. He's recorded as appearing in the town and in the countryside. 
He, he appeared indoors and out of doors. He was seen in the morning. He was seen in the evening. He was seen by prior appointment. He was seen without appointment. He was seen up close. He was seen distant. He was seen on a hill by a lake to groups of men, to groups of women, to individuals, to groups up to the size of 500. He appeared sitting and standing and walking and eating and always talking. The Lord is risen. The Lord is risen. It's a fact. It's a historical fact. It's irrefutable. You can't argue with it. Now, some of those 30,000 Jews crucified by the Romans, did you know this? Many of them, not, well, maybe dozens of the 30,000, they were messiahs. They were like Jesus in that they said, I'm the Messiah, I'm the chosen one of God. And now we, I think we have some insight into why you don't know the names of these other messiahs, don't you think? Why? Because when they died, their movements died with them. But Jesus, Jesus' movement was unique because when he died, within days of his crucifixion, the disciples were transformed from cowardly to courageous. How do you explain that? And they, they went from hiding hiding from the Romans in darkness to running around the countryside declaring that Jesus was the light of the world. All that within days. Within weeks, the Jesus movement was declaring all over the Middle East that Jesus was the one and only true Messiah. Within a year, the message of the good news was well on its way to the known world. How on earth? How, how can this amazing transformation be explained well come on there's only one way Jesus came out of that tomb on that first Easter day the Lord is risen I think you believe it it's a fact it's a historical fact it's an irrefutable fact but Paul presses on and he further says it's it's an indispensable fact in other words, he's saying here that this fact is the one fact that all of the church stands on. And here's how he argues it. He said, because if it didn't happen, then all our, and here's a list again. It's in front of you. If it didn't happen, if he wasn't raised, then our preaching is useless and your trust in God is useless and the apostles are all lying and your faith is useless and you're still under condemnation in your sins and all who have died believing in Christ have perished. All those people in the graveyards, they're there and they're staying there. It's the end of it. If Christ is not raised. And then, he, and then his last argument is, and if Christ is not raised, we're the most, those of us who believe this are the most miserable people on the planet. Paul is saying, this fact, this is the one fact on which all of Christianity stands or falls. If it isn't true, Paul is saying all of Christianity for these 2,000 years is nothing but a house of cards. It's all a sham. It's all a hoax. And us preachers, those of us who stand here and say the things I'm saying, we're shysters. Shame on us. Come on, if the cemetery... If the cemetery ends it all... Shame on me for the dozens, 20 times or more, I've stood out here in this cemetery and declared to family and loved ones, 
that if your loved one placed their trust in Jesus Christ, Christians never meet for the last time. The Lord is risen. And Paul says, if that didn't happen, and I declare to you, all those great hymns and gospel songs, when Christ shall come with shout of acclamation to take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. That's a myth. Nonsense. Foolishness. Classical literature is full of the gloom and doom spirit. The Greek historian Herodotus tells of a custom of the Egyptians in social gatherings among the rich. When the banquet ended, a servant would come in carrying a, a coffin in which there was a wooden image of a corpse whittled and painted and treated to look, like, to look lifelike. And as he showed it to all of those guests in the room, he would say to them, gaze here and drink and be merry for when you die, this is where you end up. This ends it all. And we sang, there is a land that is fairer than day. No, no, there isn't. Not if Christ is not raised. And how about the best known hymn on the planet today, probably of the old hymns would be Amazing Grace. Most of you perhaps, those of you watching online, you know the words when, when, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing his praise than when we first begun. No, no, no. That's just wishful thinking. Says me? No, says Paul. It's all wishful thinking if Christ was not raised. But then he hastens to the point of the whole chapter in verse 20 when he says it, and I say it again, the fact is that Christ has been raised from the dead. It's a fact. The Lord is risen. The Lord is risen but Paul presses on, and he has one more thing to share with us here, and here it is. This one fact is one transformational fact. And I take you back to verse 22, the low point of his message, I think. And he says, everyone dies. Everyone dies because all of us are related to Adam, the first man. Everyone dies. Aren't you glad that Paul didn't end there? Everyone dies. That's where Woody Allen, well-known playwright and director and actor and comedian, he wasn't into comedy when he wrote these words. Here's, here's his perspective on life. No, it's not his perspective on life. It's his perspective on death. He says, you die, and your family dies, and your friends die, and people suffer. People live in constant terror. The world is full of poverty and corruption and war and Nazis and tsunamis. The net result, the final count is you lose, you die, and that's the end of it for Woody Allen. Is it really? Could it be that we come out of the womb and we spend some years in the gloom and finally we end up in the tomb? Is that the best we can say? Is death just a blind alley to oblivion? It's over. 
Samuel Johnson, often referred to as simply Dr. Johnson, was an 18th century poet, playwright, essayist, moralist, literary critic, biographer. He was also a devout Anglican, yet he once said, he said he never had a moment in which death was not terrible to him. He declared that, and now I'm quoting him, the fear of death was so natural to man that all life is one long effort not to think about it. Well, Paul the Apostle thought about death a lot and wrote a lot about death, but he had a better view than that. And he said, everyone dies because all of us are related to Adam. And then the bot. There's a, there's a, there's a big, I'm not going to say big but in the middle of sermon. <laughs> the word but appears there. But all who are related to Christ, the other man, will be given new life. Christ was raised first. Then when Christ comes back, all his people will be raised. You believe that? The Lord is risen. There's one verse I managed to work into every funeral sermon I ever preached. And here it is. 2 Corinthians 5.1. For we know... We know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, when we die and when we leave these bodies, we have an eternal home in heaven made for us by God himself. Paul says, we know this. My question for you is, do you know it? And when I pray at a funeral service, I invariably incorporate this phrase into my prayer. Father, you... Only you can transform the shadow of death into the light of morning. Only you. And I declare to you, this is one transformational, flat, uh, transformational truth. This is not just a belief that we hold. It's life transforming in our life in the here and now in the present. You see, it's not from the womb and then some years in the gloom. And finally, we end up in the tomb. But it's better said, it's birth. And then we bloom for a while. And finally, it's on to the blessedness. Why? Because the Lord is risen. American evangelist Dwight Moody once said, One day you're going to read in the paper that D.L. Moody of East Northfield, Massachusetts has died. Well, don't believe a word of it. I shall have gone up higher. That's all. Out of this old clay tenement into a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And at that moment, I shall be more alive than I have ever been. <laughs> How sad for people that this day is nothing more than searching their house for cream-filled eggs and chocolate bunnies. Listen to me. After the wind and the rains have worn the rocky mountains down to look like the plains of Saskatchewan, I shall live. And, and after the brilliant noonday sun has burned itself to a dark cinder out there 150 million miles away, K 
kilometers away in space. When the sun is a dark cinder, I shall live. Eons. Eons after the bones of every cynic and every skeptic and every atheist. Eons after they've long turned to dust. I shall live. Why? Because the Lord is risen. Why? Because I believe on the third day he rose again, and I believe in the forgiveness of sins, and I believe in the resurrection of the dead, and therefore I believe in the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord is risen.
were displayed on a criminal's cross. Darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. But then Jesus arose with that song resonate with you when death was arrested and my life began? I wonder if, if I'm not talking to some in this room or online joining us that uh, not, a, not a comforting truth for you, more than a transformational truth for you, it's tr it troubles you. And that could change. That could change right here today. It could change right where you are, right there in your home today. And maybe there are some of you that sense the gentle knocking of the Holy Spirit on the door of your heart. Revelation 3.20 says it so clear. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. And if you open the door to your life today, he would, he would come in. And you could pray a prayer, something like this one. Dear Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died for my sins. I repent from my sins. I believe on you today. I believe you rose from the grave on that first Easter day to give me new life. Please forgive me. Make me one of your children. I'll live for you. I'll serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If you're here today, you made that decision in your house. Brad and Becky are here. Why don't you come and take a scripture from their hands today as a witness that Easter Sunday, 2021, I made that decision. I'm going to be standing here at the right. I'd love to give you a book. If you're online, why don't you, you could simply click on the link and tell us uh, to your online host that today I made that decision. Will you do it? Will you do it? The Lord is risen. 
Have a great Easter day.